This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics such as the state of boxing, Abner's American dream, being a husband and a girl dad, and much, much more. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Seven is here with some big games on the schedule with playoff implications on the line. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, high school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, and NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. As always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Remember, you can interact with, with Prospects 101 on all social media accounts at Prospects101Pod. I'm Kenny, and joining me is Pastel. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Just watching a little Coastal Carolina versus ULL. Looks like it's to be a good game tonight. Oh, so hyped for that game. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it, too, as we record, man. Was, I've been pumped for this game all week. I took the old Coastal Carolina Chanteliers money line tonight, so let's see if they can pay off for me. Nice. What was the, what'd you get them at? Uh, well, it's like a money line, so it's plus no, uh, uh, yeah. plus plus two thirty five, I believe. That's not bad. I actually took ULL um, earlier in the week minus six and a half. I think last time I saw, they'd gotten up to minus nine. So. Minus nine. So obviously, people are definitely betting against my vote, but that helps my money line pick. So we'll find out what happens. However, I am a huge Coastal fan, so I will be rooting for them, but also not rooting for them. It's a tough, it's a tough one for me. Kenny, this is kind of like the the other game this week: UVA versus Wake Forest. It's like if you win, you lose; if you lose, you win. Well, ultimately, I'm going to root for Wake Forest. Don't don't get it twisted. Like I like Virginia, and there would be, I guess, my de facto second favorite team. But I'm going to root for Wake Forest to beat Virginia 100 times out of 100. I don't care if it costs Virginia a chance at like a national title. Like I'm I'm rooting for Wake. Well, um, I'm taking UVA that game. Uh, I, 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 that's a game I won't be betting on. I just don't bet on my favorite teams. But anyway, we got some big news this week. Week 7, A, obviously is starting right now with Coastal Carolina and ULL kicking off in a grand way, a, a Sun Belt 
conference clash. But then we got the big news today that could affect the biggest game of the weekend. Nick Saban tested positive for COVID today, Pastel. What, what, what do you think about that? Well, so I saw him uh, do a Zoom call on ESPN, you know, a couple hours after finding out that he got tested. So, so he got tested. He got uh, found positive, him and, and the athletic director for Alabama. They both immediately uh, went home. He was asymptomatic. Uh, he showed no signs of COVID. It was funny when he, in a Zoom call how overly clear he wanted to make that point that he showed no symptoms. He also wanted to make clear that he followed all the protocols since – you know, really, the the school year started by always wearing a mask, always socially distancing. So it was just interesting side bit that he made it very clear he did both. Like he one, he's not feeling it. Two, he did all the protocol, and he also left out the fact that he's like, hey, I'm gonna get tested every day from now until game day. Almost <laughs> hanging that out there, saying like, hey, this might have been a false negative. It almost sounded like he's not gonna be surprised if it was. So, but but ultimately. Was it Steve Sarkeesian is going to take over, not only yep. obviously the play calling, but really the head coach? Really, I don't think it's that big of a thing. I mean, yeah, obviously he's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in college football, but he's more about, you know, the recruiting, the, the culture at Alabama, the preparation. Come game day, I mean, man, he's got, that's why he has a defensive coordinator, and office coordinator to make those calls. I mean, yeah, he's going to have the ultimate say, but really, I don't think much is going to change come game day this far into the week. Yeah, I think the biggest change of anything because he's him and Dabo are very similar which Dabo it makes sense because Dabo learned CEOs yeah they're they're the CEO type of coaches but the one big thing is he definitely brings the energy you've obviously anytime you see either Dabo or Saban on the sideline like they're energy guys they're high energy guys I dude I saw I saw Nick Saban yelling at one of his coaches last week with a mask on and it still terrified me like right. I was freaking out. I was like, I was like, he's so so. That's the one thing I think they will miss. They'll they'll kind of be missing that edge of of energy. I think that that one. You know, he kind of he's able to reset guys on the sideline when they make a mistake. Or that's I think that's the one thing that that will be missing for sure. Can I give you another preview to one of my picks later on the better line segment? Sure. Is obviously Nick Saban is twenty one and zero against assistant coaches that he later coaches against. So all signs say that Georgia is going to lose this game versus Alabama. My prediction is if Nick Saban is not there, this will be the one game that his assistant coach wins with a big old <laughs> asterisk, big old asterisk by it saying this one doesn't count because he actually wasn't on the sidelines. He if he's not coaching, sideline. I'm hammering Georgia on the on the on the money line. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I'm torn as a college football fan. I, I want to see obviously number two play number three Georgia. This is the game that's been circled in everybody's calendar pretty much since the start of the year. But from a betting perspective, this is the biggest bet I've placed all year was I took Alabama on Sunday minus – they were laying four points. I took them – and it was my biggest monetary bet so far. So I, as a better, I will not be disappointed if this game gets postponed uh, because I'm – I even though I don't think it will be that big of a difference, I still am not super pumped that Saban won't be roaming the sidelines. Hopefully it's a false positive. Um, which we're hoping for a false positive anyway, regardless. You don't want to obviously someone see someone with COVID. Now, the other thing the SEC is having issues with, before we move on to our next topic, is you know they already had to postpone the Florida uh, LSU game, which was a big benefit for LSU. Florida had a COVID outbreak, 19 players um, are rumored to have tested positive. But the biggest thing is LSU was going to go into that game without Miles Brennan. And so, I mean, that's a huge kind of relief for Ed, Coach O oh. and, and LSU. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that the SEC, the ACC, and a lot of these other programs outside the Big Ten and the Pac-12 set them up for success is because they started their seasons earlier. So they can have flexibility flexibility 
And honestly, with this new rule, I think you're about to touch on saying that no matter what, all teams are bowl eligible, then you yep. can miss a game like this. You can miss two games, and really you're still playing one or two more games than the Big 12, three in the case of the Pac-12. So, like, it's okay to cancel games right now if you're the SEC and the ACC. Like, honestly, yep. if you don't have your starting quarterback, I'm advocating if I was that coach to miss that game, knowing, like, the repercussions aren't there as like, they normally would be on a normal year. Yeah, you know, Coach O was like, "Well, you know, I hate to reschedule a game, but if you guys got to do it, you got to do it." You know, <laughs> as he just as he just finished a press conference where he was like, "Miles Brennan is highly doubtful for this game, and they're going to have to start one of the two freshmen they have." So, true freshman at that. Um, but anyway, yeah, like you mentioned, moving over to our next topic, all teams have been deemed bowl eligible regardless of record this season. I think there's 128 teams in 74 bowl games. Uh, or sorry, no, that's not right. Um, re- disregard that. But anyway, all all the uh, teams are bowl eligible. I, I think it's a good move. I, in, a, in a year like this, I don't I don't want to be picking hairs if a a four and six team should get in over a five and five in a smaller conference, but they have a losing record. Let's just throw it all out. Let's throw the baby out with the bathwater and let's and let's figure it out as we go. Yeah, and honestly. That's the only stipulation that's really different. Every other year, not every team plays the same amount of games. You have games, you have teams that play 13, 14 games. You have other teams that play 10, 11 games. So it's never, ever been equal as far as how many games teams actually play. Now, obviously, the bigger sample size, the more you can get a clear picture on how these teams play and how, who they really are. But just because the team's playing, you know, eight, eight games versus 11, really that's not much different than an 11 and a 14 game. Now, to your point, Kenny, that's the only thing that, Okay, fine. If you want to do disagree with this year, like that's not a thing. But having a losing record going bowl going bowling, I hope they reinstate that rule next year because that's a crying shame. If it's they, just yeah, this is just a one year exception. They I know. Say, I, I just hope yeah. that doesn't set the precedent for a future year saying like, well, you know, we look at the framework of the the team and everything that's involved with it, and we'll let the bowls you know decide who they want to actually play for them because then we're gonna get a. Uh, a three and eight Notre Dame team, knowing they just had the the fans to bring with yeah, them. Yeah, it comes to popularity contest. Right. Yeah. No. no, no, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm good with just this one year, this one kind of asterisk type year, and let's just do it and move on. Um, one more bit of news. A lot of breaking news today. One more bit of news is the NCAA has introduced and is expected to pass the one-time transfer ex- penalty-free rule, I guess you should, I guess we'll call it. So essentially what the NCAA is recommending is that they're going to allow, regardless if you're a true freshman or a graduate transfer, you will get to transfer one time penalty free whenever you want throughout your college career. But that comes with a stipulation right now, grad transfers can transfer penalty free. And they're really the only, the only player, the only athlete who can without requesting a waiver to get special exemption but that will eliminate that. So if you if you transfer from a school as a sophomore and you're getting you get that free that one time transfer, you don't get to transfer again as a grad transfer penalty free. You have you will not be eligible to play once you use that one time transfer. Yeah, and let me be clear on something. I used to be against this idea. I think if you commit it to a school and a program and a coach, then you should have to stay. And if you did want to transfer, you would have to sit out that year because then that turns into a, you're recruiting not only high school kids, but you're recruiting college kids 24-7, you know, 12 months a year. And that's just got to be frustrating from a coaching standpoint, right? However, I think the rules for the transfer portal have become so convoluted 
on who can actually be immediately eligible and who can't. I mean, best case scenario is uh, obviously I know Virginia Tech football very well, but Brock Hoffman, the Coastal Carolina Center, transferred to Virginia Tech for legitimate reasons about uh, health of his family, and he was like 10 miles outside of the radius that makes you immediately eligible from where his home uh, state mm-hmm. or county was. Yeah. And they deemed him that he couldn't play last year. Meanwhile, we I – I won't say names, but we know plenty of other athletes that got immediately – granted immediate eligibility for, like, yep. pretty bullcrap reasons. So, at this point, it's just so convoluted, like, who can actually play immediately, who can't. And it's almost like a political game. Just give everybody the one-time transfer rule. That way we don't have to go through this uh, – down this road of who should be and who shouldn't be. Yeah. And, honestly, if you mess up twice, if you don't – if you can't pick the, the right school twice, then, uh, yeah, you should probably have to sit out a year. <laughs> Well, and, and here's the thing, uh, you know, coaches, even like a short stint at a college for an up and coming coach used to be like three or four years, like a coach would like, Hey, this guy's a, this guy's a rising star in the coaching community. Let's see what he can do in three or four years when he gets his recruiting classes into his new job to see if he can elevate to the next. Well, now you're seeing coaches take jobs for one year and automatically getting, jumping up to the next level or two years. I mean, Lane Kiffin was at FAU for what, two years? Sorry, he was there for three years, so that might be a bad example. But, you know, I mean, like, like, like there's been a couple times at Arkansas State where a coach has been there for a year and they've jumped into a higher P5 program. So, you know, you talk about Manny Diaz at Temple last year. Oh, Willie yeah. Taggart at Oregon. Willie Taggart at Oregon. I mean, we go on and on and on. That's becoming more of a norm now, and I think that's only fair. Every if, coach if at Memphis. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to allow coaches to, to jump ship after one year, after they've brought in a recruiting class and then they leave, you know, hey, the players should have a free a free one as well. Uh, you know, I, I think that's only fair. I, yeah. If you're if you're selling a kid to your program and then you bail, then I, I think that kid should be like, hey, I came here because of Willie. Yeah, not because of this. And and that's one argument. I would also argue against the fact that I think they usually let people transfer from those schools without a penalty, knowing that's a hardship waiver, saying like this coach left. Like I I don't see many examples of a coach leaving and a kid wanting to transfer and they don't get granted that transfer. You know what I mean? Like, I know it happens, but it's not as as abundant as we think it is because a lot of people fall back on that argument. I also believe the fact that, like, some guys think Justin Fields, if he had a set out a year, right? So he wouldn't have played last year, which means he would have been his first year this year. But say COVID wiped out a season. He might not have played for three years. And we're talking about a top five talent that we might have not even seen until next year. Like, his fourth yep. year in college football. So, like, there's athletes like that, that. As much people say, like, there's student athletes first. We all know that's not true for the, up for the upper tier of college athletes. There's guys like that that need to be on a team to display their skills. And, yeah, should he have beat Jake Fromm out? Sure, if he was that good. But, honestly, at that level, the guy behind you and the guy in front of you, they're all NFL talent. So, if you sometimes have to transfer because you made a wrong decision on what team you're playing for, go to another school if you think you get the legit shot to go to the NFL because that's millions yeah. and millions of dollars. And who are we to criticize someone – saying you should be a student first when millions of dollars are on the table for you making a wrong decision by going to the wrong school initially. I agree. We're on the same page. We're shockingly on the same page for a while. Shockingly. <laughs> it's, uh, yo, hey, if you're listening to this, record that because Pastel and I agree on something. Also record this because in conclusion, the NCAA has kind of made two good rulings today. I don't know if I've ever said that or will ever say that again. So a really, really – rare PR win day for the NCAA. Now let's move on to games this week. Pastel, what are some games and prospects on your radar that's got you excited? Okay, so I'm going to go a little bit, I feel like a little bit different. Guys we haven't talked about at all yet, right? So I'm going to go Josh Palmer, the wide receiver for Tennessee. He's a, he's a senior. He absolutely was the only reason Tennessee was in the game last week versus Georgia. 
He had, uh, I believe, two touchdowns over 70 yards receiving. Uh, receiving. He's a six foot two, 210 receiver, pretty big guy. Overall, he's got three TDs, uh, over 220 yards this year, on, receiving on the year. Well, obviously, he did very well for Georgia. He goes against Kentucky, that completely shut down Mississippi State last week. I would love to see what he does against. If he can duplicate that success last week into you know, pretty much doubling down on Kentucky, which we all know is a very good defense as well. If he can continue this trend, then you're going to start seeing Josh Palmer at least to be put on people's draft boards at this point. Because right now he was Randy Moss and people out there last – last, and we're talking about, you know, Georgia being a top five, if not top three defense in the entire country. And he was – again, they were winning that game. Tennessee was up, I think, 21-17, to 17, and it's because of Josh Palmer. Like, don't get it twisted. It was because of really nobody else on that team. So – because of what he did last week and because of what he plays this week, I'm extremely excited to see Josh Palmer out there for Tennessee. The next guy is Christian uh, Barmore. I know we've talked about him on previous segments as far as, like, uh, draft, eligible, uh, draft eligible defensive tackles, you know, that could possibly go in the first round next year. So this guy is uh, Alabama's probably best defensive tackle. He's a redshirt sophomore, so he could technically play for two more years. But I think all expectations that he comes out next year, he's a big boy, real big boy, six foot five, 310, 315 pounds. Uh, he's already had, he already has eight total pressures. Uh, he's, he's getting after the quarterback. He's creating pressure, even though some people will consider him more of a run stopper. Uh, I think he's showing this year that he can be a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Well, Georgia's offense, their biggest weakness is obviously their offensive line. So really I put him on here saying not only should he get after Stetson Bennett, I also believe this is probably the key X factor in the entire game that can make or break whether Alabama actually wins. Because if you have your best defensive player, one of your best defensive players, going against the only weakness really Georgia has, he better exploit that uh, and really hopefully propel Alabama into a victory, right? So um, all eyes on him uh, tomorrow. Again, he's a redshirt sophomore, so let's see what he can do against in a big-time game, number two versus number three. The next guy, I'm going to go in the the opposite of what I just said. I'm going to counter my own point and say Kenny McIntosh, the backup running back for Georgia. If Georgia wants to win this game, I think they're going to do it on special teams. This guy, I think, leads – I think he's the third on average uh, kick returner in college football and obviously number one in the SEC, averaging 42.8 yards every turn. Now, Kenny, you're probably thinking to yourself, like, oh, that probably means, you know, in three or four games he probably had, like, a 100-yard return. Probably right. – his longest return is 48 yards. Wow. And he's had four or five returns. What I'm saying, he's, he's had a 44, a 48, a 38. The guy is just constantly popping off, uh, you know, 30 to 50-yard runs on the kick return game. So if you want to talk about field position in a game like Georgia versus Alabama, and we all know how special teams is always a big uh, factor in all that, watch out for Kenny McIntosh, one of the best returners in college football, and also their backup running back who played very well versus Tennessee last week, a four-star prospect out of, uh, mm-hmm. I think, Fort Lauderdale. Watch out for him. So that's, that's, that's my pitch for Georgia's uh, X-Factor right there. See what I okay. did there? X-Factor for like Alabama, little X-Factor for Georgia. Obviously, big-time game. The last guy I want to highlight is Kenny Pickett, the six foot two, 220-pound quarterback out of Pittsburgh. He obviously got out to a really hot start for Austin P in Syracuse. Started out 3-0 was a top-20 team in the country. A lot of people wanted to believe in Pittsburgh, even though if you know what – if we talked about him on this podcast before in Pittsburgh, we were never that big of a believer. But now they're 3-2 and two after dropping two, two losses back-to-back. Well, he goes, against, uh, he goes against Miami, Miami, a team that obviously has a very good pass rush and a team that just lost to Clemson. So, you know, they're going to be hungry for a win. I'm going to look to see what Kenny Pickett does and see how he rebounds off the back-to-back losses versus a pretty good Miami defense to see if he really is that quarterback that everyone thought, you know, was probably around the 
the sixth to eighth best quarterback coming into the draft. You know, he's rocking three to fifth round type of quarterback, but he's got to rebound. He's got to show that he can do it not against bad defenses. Yeah, anybody can throw 411 yards against Louisville, but can you do it against Miami? So Kenny Pickett's the quarterback that I'm looking at uh, this week as well to see if he is who we thought he was. Kenny Pickett is so Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. At some games, it looks like he's finally turned the corner and looking like the quarterback we all have thought he could be. And then the next week he goes out and just looks absolutely average and holds Pittsburgh back. Honestly, if, if, if he was a better quarterback, he's very similar to Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. He's, he's really held back Pittsburgh from being a lot better than what they are because Pittsburgh's always had an elite defense the so, last couple of years. I, I'm going to give you the fact that, yes, in, in the theory – He's holding Pittsburgh back, but he's a web, way better thrower than Ritter. Oh, yeah. no, no Yeah, I wasn't trying to make an apples-to-apples comparison. I was just saying from, a, from an overall team perspective, both teams, if they had better quarterbacks, could be pretty special. Yeah, for sure. With their defenses. For sure. So, the, so the, I liked all those guys, man. So, and you and I had a very similar thing going with Alabama-Georgia, so I really hope the game goes now that we're, go- we're digging into it. But my prospects this week and some of the games that caught my eye, my number one guy was Zach Wilson, quarterback for BYU. Um, really excited. This guy, they're hyping him up as a Heisman dark horse at this point. He's got 1,200 yards passing, eight touchdowns. He's averaging 12.3 yards an attempt. He's got an 81% completion percentage. He leads the country in QBR. Like, he's playing like an absolute stud for BYU right now, and they're a top 15 program currently. In comes Houston, which we saw them absolutely hammer Tulane last week. The game looks closer on the scoreboard than what it really was. They gave up two defensive touchdowns in the first two possessions and then just absolutely hammered Tulane the rest of the game and put up a ton of points. It looked like Dana Holgerson's offense is really, really clicking. I think this is going to be a fun shootout type of game, but this is a huge game on BYU's schedule because it's pretty easy the rest of the way outside of a a matchup looming in November against Boise State. The rest of the games are very, very winnable for BYU, and this is a team with New Year's Six Bowl aspirations. you got to win this game, though. You have to. And this is, like I said, arguably this is your toughest game, and this is the toughest opponent you've seen so far. So I'm really excited to see Zach Wilson and what he can do. My next guy is Darrell Johnson, edge rusher for Liberty University. He's a junior college transfer, first-year FBS player, and all he's done out, all he's done in the first four games of the season. It has six tackles for losses, five sacks, one forced fumble, one pass defended, and is and Liberty is sitting at 4-0 and right now, looking like the best team in Virginia, actually, potentially. Who would have thought in a couple weeks the game against Virginia Tech could be for the state championship? Um, but Liberty's looking good, and they've got a big, big game this week. They are a three-point favorite over an ACC football team, Pastel. They are a three-point favorite over Syracuse right now. Well, That's huge. Syracuse did just lose uh, their best player, Andre Sisto. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt. But still, man, you're they're a three point favorite. This is your your spotlight's on you now. People are going to recognize that you're a you're you're an FBS independent team that's not named Notre Dame, and you were a three point favorite over an ACC team. That's this is a big deal. This is time for you to this is time for you to shine. So you're going up against some quality some quality ACC opponents. Darrell Johnson, it's time for you to show out and, and be that playmaker you've been the first four games of the season. My next guy is Dylan Moses for Alabama, linebacker for Alabama. Now, you might be saying, like, wow, that's a real obvious one. But I say that because of the awful, 
dreadful defensive performance they put on against Ole Miss last week. They gave up high 40s. I think it was 49 points, 48 points last week. It arguably could have been more if a couple things went Ole Miss's way, like like recovering some onside kicks. But they just could not stop a sieve last week. And Dylan Moses is arguably the heart of this defense. Yeah, I know Patrick Sertain gets a lot of love for being a potential top five, most likely top ten pick. But Dylan Moses is right there with him. Dylan Moses, if he can prove that he's healthy, is arguably a top ten pick as well. And I think he's the soul of this defense being the middle linebacker. So he really needs to rally the troops, especially now that Saban's out. He needs to be the emotional leader and playmaker for this defense against what's arguably not a great Georgia offense. Stetson Bennett has played well. He's looked good in spurts, but let's not pretend he's the next, the second coming of an all-time quarterback. This is the opportunity that Alabama needs because their offense is going to score. I know Georgia's got a great defense, but Alabama's offense is going to score. It's too talented not to. All you got to do is make a handful of plays and charge up your defense to win this game. I really think so. So, Dylan Moses needs to get after it. He's not quite playing at the level he played at 2018, but he is coming off of a knee injury. Let's see if he's finally knocked the rust off after three games and can really be the playmaker we saw in 2018. My next guy, same game, but on the other side of the ball for the other team, George Pickens, wide receiver for Georgia. All I keep hearing about is how talented George Pickens is, how he's the most talented receiver in the SEC. All this stuff. And I don't doubt that he might not be. He's 6'3", 190 pounds. But, dude, in three games, you have eight catches for 87 yards and two touchdowns. And I understand you're not playing in the best, quote-unquote, offense in the SEC, but you're going to be going up against a defense that just gave up 49 points and, by all accounts, doesn't look like they're on their A game this year. You're going up against a top-five potential draft pick in Patrick Sertain, who Elijah Moore – just showed out against last week for 150 yards and 11 catches. And you're arguably one of the most talented receivers in the country and and argued to be the most talented receiver in the SEC. It's time for you to help your quarterback out in Stetson Bennett. It's time for you to be that number one receiver and take that next step that you haven't taken so far this season. So for me, I I think, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the offense, if he can create constant separation against Patrick Sertan and really help out Stetson Bennett, that's going to go a long way dude, for Georgia winning this game. Dude, he, he's one – He's. I'm saying right now, he's that receiver right now that already scares me. Like, he's got red flags about him, and it's not from a talent standpoint. Like, no one's ever going to say it's from a talent standpoint. I saw a stat previously to last week that I think it was 59 balls in his career that were catchable. He did not drop one ball. He has not dropped a ball in college football unless that happened last week. And they said out of 59 catchable passes, he caught all 59. Yep. Like catchable. Yep. Like his, his catch radius, like he caught anything in his catch radius. Like by far the most talented receiver, when, especially when it comes to his hands. But he saw plays like what, he was the guy last week squirting his water bottle all over Tennessee. Yep. He got Tennessee. in a fight last year. Got in a fight. Like, dude, I'm saying right now, man, it just scares me. It reminds me of another uh, – player that played for Jacksonville. What was his name from Oklahoma State? Blackman? Uh, yeah, now to be fair, yeah, Justin Blackman. Now to be fair, he doesn't have the substance abuse issues that Blackman had in college. I guess what I'm saying is like absurd amount of talent. Like yeah. absurd. Talking five, yeah. top five pick, top ten pick, but you're already seeing a trail of red flags, and he's probably going to have his talent level overlook those and 
watch. In five years from now, he's going to be playing for probably one of our teams yep. because we suck, and he's going to be a top-five pick. And guess what? He's probably going to be out of football in seven years from now because you're, we're going to be like, man, I guess how do we not see that coming? Yeah, I, I, hope, yeah. I, I hope that's not the case, man. But the fact that it's a sophomore year and we're already seeing all these red flags, it's like it's it's almost like deja vu. We've seen this before, man. Well, it's concerning because it shows that his head's not in the game, and that really affects your consistency. And against Alabama, your head not only has to be in the game, your head has to be in the game 125% of the game, not just 100. You've got to be firing on all cylinders plus extra cylinders to, to go head-to-head with Bama. And for Georgia, they have to be efficient on offense. They have to score points because I know as good as their defense is, Alabama's offense is just as good. But if your offense is not keeping your defense off the field, eventually Matt Jones and the talent on that offense, Najee Harris, they're going to score points just by attrition. So Georgia has to show up on offense. They have to move the ball, and I think it really moves through this game. It, it moves through George Pickens. And my last player – that I'm excited to watch this week because it's really going to determine, I think, the rest of their season is Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker. We, arguably, if he started that game last week, they, they might have beat UNC. The performance he put on in the second half, 7 for 13, 136 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 10.5 yards in attempt, 192 quarterback rating. Like, he looked good. He's efficient. That's what he is. He moves the ball for Virginia Tech's offense. I think he's by far the best quarterback in that offense. And this is a big game versus Boston College. This is going to set the table for the rest of the season because you've got some winnable games coming up until that showdown with Miami later on in the season. But if you drop this one to BC, that's a tough loss to overcome now that you already have one ACC loss. You can't afford another one potentially against Miami if you drop one to BC. It's not necessarily a must-win game, but it is feeling like a must-win game for Virginia Tech. And Hendon Hooker is their best shot to win. I think if Braxton Burmeister or if Quincy Patterson has to play against Boston College, look, this Boston College team is legit. Their defense is really good. Jeff Halfley is doing a really good job. And it's not like he took over a, a bare cupboard in Boston College. And they have a quarterback in Phil Jerkovich. You've got you to gotta be able to put up points against this Boston College team because they can put up points. And it's all going to rely on Hendon Hooker, who has a great running back in Khalil Herbert, which is going to help take the pressure off of him, but he needs to play well. They need good quarterback play in Virginia Tech because I think that's what's truly separating them from being an upper-level ACC team right now. And if he, can, if he can be that quarterback they need, big things are in store for this team. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, I know you got something to say about that. I mean, so absolutely, man. I mean, Hendon Hooker's the best quarterback on that team. Um, he's kind of like a mix of Quincy and Burmeister com- combined, but really just a better and more efficient arm. And there's also a play in there that a touchdown got called back on him, that he should have had three touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, last game. But just look at that second half. And when you start to open up the passing game, guess what happened to the running game? Khalil Herbert looked like a bust in the Heisman race to right back in the top five of the Heisman race within, in, within one half against arguably one of the best rush defenses in the country. Like, mm-hmm. North Carolina, I think they averaged less than 100 yards on the ground, like, as a rush defense. And everyone, I put a poll out on Instagram saying, like, do you think that Virginia Tech will have more than 170 yards rushing? I think they threw up, like, 250 last game, mostly in the second half because Hendon Hooker made it a two-dimensional offense. So, absolutely, he's going to be fun to watch. He's obviously a, a redshirt junior, um, but I have seen things preseason saying, like, if he has a season like we think he can, uh, that he, he honestly, I mean, dude, we have not seen, we've seen this in the past with Virginia Tech quarterbacks jump to the NFL when we all think it's been too early. So he is definitely I mean, a guy to keep your eye out on. 
I mean, yeah, look, man, I mean, the rest of the way, you, Boston College is going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a battle if, if your quarterback play doesn't – if your quarterback play doesn't improve or, or be better than it was the first couple weeks of the season. But you've got a winnable weight game. You've got a winnable Louisville game. You've got a winnable Liberty game. And then it's Miami. Like, you, I think this is as close to as a must-win as you can get this early in the season. This is a big, big game. Well, they got to pick up the steam because they end with, you know, obviously Clemson, Miami, yep. UVA, a lot of – even though Virginia might be down a little bit, that's still a rivalry game. So, yeah, like, it's going to be a big contested game, game. So they need to gain some momentum absolutely sooner than later because they're going to have to end strong to make any type of noise uh, for, for a big-time bowl. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Well, those are our prospects to watch in our games to watch this week. We hope you you can really spotlight these players and and, and keep an eye on them through all those respective games. Now what I want to do is I want to transition to our bet online segment. Our bet online segment is where we pick games and, and wagers this week that we feel very confident in, borderline locks, if you will. And we also, have a, we also make sure we track standings so you can tell how each of us are doing this week. And for the first time this year, I actually feel really good about doing this segment because I went 4-1 and one last week. K-State covered. I hit the over in the Florida A&M in the Oklahoma-Texas game. Thank you to four overtimes. And I covered, and Charlotte uh, covered as well. On the season, I'm 9-14-1. We are creeping back in, and I will be catching these guys very, very shortly. So let me give you my games this week that I'm really confident in. My first game, BYU at Houston, which is Friday night. I took the over 61. I think this game is going to breeze past it. You've got two super dynamic offenses. I wouldn't be surprised if this is something they hit midway through or early in the third quarter, to be honest. I I really think you're going to see at halftime the score be like 24-21. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a battle. Two great quarterbacks. Like I mentioned earlier, Zach Wilson is a borderline Heisman candidate for BYU. It's going to be a really, really fun game. I'm really excited for it. My second game. Georgia at Bama. I felt more confident in this game earlier, but I am taking Bama laying the six points. I I still think – call me crazy, I think Bama, as long as every player's playing, this is 
barring that just Nick Saban's the only person who's out with COVID at this point. Dude, I think they're going to take care of Georgia, and I think they're going to take care of Georgia pretty handily. Like, I think it's going to be a game when we look back and the score is like 31-17, but it doesn't even feel that close. I think it's going to be a, a pretty big win for Bama. My third game is Ole Miss at Arkansas. Ole Miss is laying two and a half points. I'm taking Ole Miss and the points. My next game is Duke at North Carolina State. North Carolina State's laying four and a half points. I'm taking North Carolina State and the points. And then my upset special this week, and this is the first money line play I've actually recommended on the season, is Cincinnati at Tulsa. Cincinnati's laying three points. I'm taking Tulsa to win straight up. I think this is the second big upset for Tulsa after they upset UCF, after they almost upset Oklahoma State week one. I think this is the first game where Desmond Ritter's inability to be effective quarterback will rear its ugly head, and it's going to cost Cincinnati big time because Tulsa has a really, really good defense. And I think you give them enough chances, they'll win the game. Tulsa wins plus 130 money line. So a few notes on that. One, within the time frame of we finding out that Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID, that spread has now moved from Bama Lane 6 to Bama Lane 4. So it's back to my original. Hey, I'll take those points. So amended. I'm taking Bama six for the show or four for the show. <laughs> Just like I took on Sunday, it's back to the fresh line on Sunday. Yeah, man. So I feel better about that. So yeah, amended. I'm taking Bama, laying four points. The uh, I'm checking that. Which you're, you're welcome for me saying that. The other thing, man. Like obviously, I'm going to be rooting for Cincinnati versus Tulsa. But the you look at it on ESPN, there I think it's the FBI, right? They have mm-hmm. Tulsa winning that game. Like, there, there is a lot of people betting against Cincinnati right now. I think it went from minus five to minus three with the with the juice, obviously, with Tulsa right now. So that's not a bad money line pick. I guess I have way more faith in Cincinnati's defense than I do in Tulsa is, oh, is, it, is ultimately where I'm, where I'm going don't, with that Don't one. get me wrong. I love Cincinnati, and they're probably my favorite G5 team. I just I, I just think Tulsa's defense, and your boy for Tulsa, Zayvon, Zayvon Collins, yeah. I think he's going to absolutely light up that offense. So, I, yeah, I agree. I guess I could name six other players for Cincinnati that I think are maybe not yeah. on his level, but like a, a level right below that level. You won't hear this from me often because I'd never bet the under, but if I were to bet an under in a game, it would probably be this game. Yes, that's actually not a bad take. So we'll just go jump into mine right now, obviously. So for the first time all year, I was two, I didn't hit 500. I was two and three. However, if you took my money line pick of the week, which was NC State over uh, UVA, then I would have been three uh, for three. Overall, not counting that as a W, though, I am 12, 9, and 1. But I am 2 and 0 oh right now on my money line picks. So going straight into it, Liberty minus three at Syracuse. Can we talked about it earlier? I'm taking Liberty minus three, laying three points. I am taking Liberty. I think they're just that much better than what we said an ACC school is in Syracuse. The next team, Duke at NC State. NC State is minus four. I'm going to take NC State. Their new QB, Leary, is playing lights out right now. I think the receiving core is a lot better than what uh, people give them credit for. So I'm going to take NC State minus four. The next one, I had to throw this game on there, Kenny, just because I wanted to uh, pick somebody, UVA versus Wake Forest, even though it pains me to pick somebody, especially this somebody. I'm still going to do it, and I'm going to pick UVA over Wake Forest minus two. I just think UVA has just a little bit more talent than what Wake Forest has, so I'm going to go UVA. Uh, the next game, UGA versus Bama. We mentioned about this uh, earlier, so Bama's minus four, as we just said. But 
I guess the one asterisk here is if Nick Saban can't play or can't coach, which we all think he won't unless he tests, has multiple negative tests from now until game day, then I'm going to take superstition and that defense, UGA over Bama, and then that would be the first coach to beat an Alabama team, a Nick Saban team, after being a, his assistant a few years ago underneath Alabama. So I'm going to take UGA over Bama. The last uh, spread I'm going to take is Clemson minus 27.5 over Georgia Tech. And the reason I'm taking Clemson is because Georgia Tech is just having way too many turnovers. I think Clemson is going to have so much time of possession. They're going to have so many opportunities to score points. I don't think Georgia Tech can hold on to the ball long enough to not get blown out. I just don't. As much as I like Georgia Tech and I like that new QB, Sims, and that, and that running back, I think Clemson wins this game by probably 38 points. So I'm going to take Clemson minus 27.5. And because I've already gone 2-0 in the money line picks, my money line pick of the week is Mississippi State over Texas A&M. I believe Texas A&M is 6.5 minus 6.5 right now. The reason I'm going to take Mississippi State after they laid up a freaking goose egg versus Kentucky is because I don't believe in Texas A&M's defensive second, or their secondary. And I think if you're going to exploit a team, it's going to be a team with a weak secondary. And that's where I think Mississippi State gets back on track with that air raid offense and defeats Texas A&M, which I believe is a top 10 team right now. So they're going to beat another top – their two wins of the season, and my prediction will be <laughs> over two top 10 teams, Texas A&M and LSU. So we'll see what happens. That's wild. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good bounce back for Mike Leach and the boys for sure. I uh, man, I do. It's so hard to get bet against Georgia with that defense, but I'm just I'm just not sold, man. Yeah. I think Bama's offense. I think they're. I I think it'll be one of those games where you're gonna be like, wow, Georgia's defense is really really good, borderline historically good. Because I sent you a text earlier this week where Bill Connolly was talking about right now they have the fourth best S and P. Uh, rating for defense in the last 30 years and but my thing is is I think that their offense is going to stall out so much that you just can't give Bama that many offensive opportunities without them converting well so two two predictions here really one prediction and then one question is I believe they're going to blitz the living hell out of Georgia and Stetson Bennett. I believe they're going to see that offensive yeah. line as a weakness, and they're going to send the house at them, knowing that they have cornerbacks like Patrick Sertan that can live on an island with these receivers. And the question is, Pat, can uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, get the ball Make out Stetson of his Bennett hands? Make him beat you. But and then that goes into my second question. We don't have to go into it because I don't want to really necessarily right now. But really, at what point, if he can't do it, does JT Daniels, the highest-rated transfer quarterback last year and one of the highest-rated quarterbacks coming out of high school, well, I'm not going to go over his whole history here, but at yeah. what point do you give your team a chance? If you're down by two touchdowns and you have nothing going on offense, do you put JT Daniels in? I don't know what it's like in practice. I don't know how his leg is. But, obviously, you're going to hear that vernacular yeah. on game day in the broadcast if they are not winning. You're going to hear exactly oh, what I just said. I think, I think Stetson's going to have a short leash. We, have, look, so we won't go into it, but I, I would not be surprised if they were down 14 quick, we don't see JT Daniels. I, I would not be. I would not be surprised. Because if he looks like garbage, and, and, and he's got to have a short leash because you can't get down 14 to Bama and expect to come back. Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. 
from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, we wouldn't be Prospects 101 if we didn't talk about our uh, recruiting news this week. And we actually had some pretty big commits this week, a lot of them. Let me start it off by just rattling off a few quick ones, uh, a couple that caught my eye. Michael Trigg, tight end, commits to University of Southern Cal. They pick up another big re- offensive recruit. He's 6'4", 230, a top 130 player in the country. He's the number fourth ranked tight end in the country. Four stars, big, big pickup for USC, and they're adding to what's already been a great a great class. Keeping with the tight end side of things, Texas A&M signs Demetrius Crown over it. Dude, listen to this, how big this guy is. He's 6'6", 275 pounds. That's a big boy. That's a borderline offensive lineman who's playing tight end. I mean – that, that's a big kid, and he's he's a four-star composite tight end uh, for according to 24-7 sports. Again, another big signing for Jimbo Fisher coming off of a big week where they upset Florida, so the good vibes keep rolling for Texas A&M. And then another commit that caught my eye was Shambry Jackson, uh, strong side defensive end, 6'2", 230, four-star ranked um, player according to uh, 24-7 sports. He's the 18th best defensive end in the country. Uh, big pickup for Mike Norvell. You know, they, obviously FSU's down right now, so any talent they can get, any kind of recruiting wins they can get is always a positive. So good to see FSU get a big um, commit this week and good for Mike Norvell. Yeah, and let's talk about the biggest signing of the week, which just happened today, was Austin Mims, a five-star player, top-rated offensive tackle in the country, number six overall player, Signed with the University of Georgia Bulldogs. It's about time they get that big-time signing that propels them finally into the top ten as they come in number seven in this week's ratings in the top ten. We've been waiting for it, Kenny, just waiting for it. And it finally was Austin Mims, who's a freaking hoss, man. He's, what, six foot seven, 320 pounds. I mean, you talk about Georgia always being, you know – Big time linemen like that. They always have linemen that produce, obviously. And this is just the next grade to come across University of Georgia. And the biggest signing of the week that's not a five star player, in my opinion, is the fact that Jackson State has now got their first big time signing with prime time Deion Sanders signing Brazon Ross, a a three star, yes, a three star defensive tackle, but he was a top. 750 player. He, I think he was, yeah, 721 overall player, defensive tackle from uh, the state of Nevada. Now, this guy had scholarship offers from LSU, USC, Georgia. I'm talking Arizona State, Arizona. A lot of big time P5 programs. And Deion Sanders snatches them, snatches them. And this is the first domino the first domino to fall to see if this propels him into what possibly could be, I don't know, for Jacksonville State, can can he land a top 75 class when it's all said and done, which would be huge. That sounds like a small number, but if if he can get Jacksonville State in, like, the top 75 for recruiting, I mean, 
I think, I don't know if Virginia Tech was top 75 last year. That, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, and this was the first piece to fall. All right, it's going straight into decommitments. Dude, Brandon Jennings, big-time player, big-time signing for Florida State, and he yeah. just de- decommitted from them. The, a four-star linebacker, one of their best players in the recruiting class, has now decommitted to them, and we don't know exactly where he's going, so that's something to t- kind of stay tuned. But we do have a good idea of where the next guy is, who in some polls have him as a five-star player, athlete, wide receiver, and that's Billy Bowman, the four-star that just decommitted from the University of Texas. He's got, obviously, every scholarship offer out there, but there's a lot of crystal balls now pointing towards Oklahoma. That's got to suck. If your arch rival, the Red River rivalry, steals your best player in your recruiting class. Now, that's not to say he signed with Oklahoma, but there's a few other teams. I think LSU's out there for him and a few other teams. So yeah. we'll see where Billy Bowman goes uh, here, hopefully, in the next few weeks. It sounds like he could commit sometime in the next month. You know, man, I feel like we could have made this show two hours tonight. With as much news that broke today and all the breakdowns we could have gone into this weekend with the big matchups that are going on, I, I, I feel like we could have gone on and on and on. What a great day for college football. And then, of course, like I said, we got the Coastal Louisiana game tonight, which, by the way, Coastal just took the lead going into halftime. Give me that seven. morning line. Give it to me. Oh, no, the kicker missed the extra, or missed the extra point. It's 13-7. Oh. And and that's what you get with those programs. (laughs) Bad special uh, teams. Let's go ahead and end the show on that note. You can follow and interact with us on all social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Prospects101Pod. We're posting throughout the week. Um, You can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. Make sure if you can leave us a rating and review on any site you listen to, please give us five stars because it really helps – our show gets discovered by new fans, and it helps keep this show going. So if you like the show, please do us a favor. Make sure you rate, review, and give us five stars. We really appreciate that. For Brandon Pastel, for Brandon Gluster, who's sitting in traffic right now, and for me, Kitty Keller, have a great weekend. Enjoy college football. That's a fact. I have been fed. That's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's Paracast Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggin', you've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash Paracash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.